Good morning. The service continues on page two of your bulletin. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, whom truly to know is everlasting life, grant us so perfectly to know your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the way, the truth, and the life that we may steadfastly follow his steps in the way that leads to eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from Acts. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Stephen gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears, and with a loud shout, all rushed together against him. Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he died. The word of the Lord. We will read Psalms 31, verses 1 through 5, 15 and 16, responsively. In you, O Lord, have I taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Incline your ear to me. Make haste to deliver me. Be my strong rock, a castle to keep me safe. For you are my crag and my stronghold. For the sake of your name, lead me and guide me. Take me out of the net that they have secretly set for me. For you are my tower of strength. Into your hands I commend my spirit. For you have redeemed me, O Lord, O God of truth. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face to shine upon your servant, and in your loving kindness save me. A reading from 1 Peter. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight, and like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. For you then who believe, he is precious, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner and a stone that makes them stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, 
in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Jesus told his disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do not know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own. But the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe in me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. I think I'd like to begin today by asking you in your mind to imagine a stone. And I'd like for you to think of it in some kind of context, with the stone being used in some way. I wonder what you've imagined. Because we've been primed to think about stones in so many ways through today's readings. Is it being placed as a cornerstone? Is it being thrown at a truth teller? Is it part of the wall in a spiritual house? Or is it being rejected as unfit for that house? Or maybe it's strewn on a path ready to trip somebody. Today, I see our readings as describing the use of stones in two ways, to obstruct or to build. For example, Stephen has the audacity at his trial to retell the full story of Israel not with Abraham and Moses as the chief architects of the nation, but God. And while it's just a summary, he manages to tell the story with some warts included, instead of from the traditional, triumphal point of view. He ends by reminding his accusers that the temple isn't where God dwells. Our reading excerpt for today is just past the best part of Stephen's testament. When speaking with God's lovingly frustrated voice, he says, You stiff-necked people, 
uncircumcised in heart and ears, you are ever opposing the Holy Spirit, just as your ancestors used to do. He's telling these people that they aren't in relationship with God as God wishes, but instead have gotten caught up in the veneer of it all, ignoring God's truth in the process, a truth that culminates in Jesus' manifestation as the Christ. So, that didn't go over too well. His story needed to be stopped, a story that told an unflattering history and revealed Israel's repetitive, maladaptive patterns. So they silenced Stephen's voice with stones. And while Stephen's body was destroyed and his own voice stopped with those stones, his story was only temporarily obstructed because others continued to tell it, even in the face of their own persecution. In our second reading, Peter also talks about stones as an obstruction. As he puts it, when people reject Jesus's story of God's equal and welcoming love for everyone, those same people end up tripping over that story. (laughs) The stone of truth doesn't vanish, even if they reject it and throw it away. It rolls back into their path to remind them of its presence. There's a real desire to protect the status quo, keep things the way they are. And the way things are typically includes some kind of hierarchy. And the people who want to maintain the hierarchy are those who are on top. Stories that underscore a wrong or that insist on flattening the hierarchy are threatening to those who benefit from it. They are driven to silence the stories, even when those stories originate from the Holy Spirit. In the very useful book, Thanks for the Feedback, the authors talk about how we each have blind spots, habits of which we are unaware, but that are in some way unhelpful when it comes to interacting with others or reaching our goals. Some of the most uncomfortable things we can hear about are our blind spots, and we often react negatively with anger or deep shame when we are told about them. But these emotions are a byproduct. They're not usually the reason someone brings them up. An observer typically brings up our blind spots because they would like for us to change, to improve, not because they want us to feel bad. We're in a place right now where, like the Israelites who stoned Stephen, our own cultural hierarchy is willfully avoiding feedback about its blind spots. We don't want to hear that we're part of a system that keeps the hierarchy in place with tactics we've grown so used to, we don't even see them. Instead, actions are being taken to suppress these stories and to enact new policies that despite their supportive-sounding titles, actually silence select groups of people in an attempt to erase their value. Is it possible that we, too, are guilty of Stephen's allegation that we are ever opposing the Holy Spirit by failing to listen to a new or different story? We don't have to use our stones to silence a storyteller, though. We can use them instead to build. And we begin that construction with our living cornerstone, Jesus. 
With that cornerstone and with ourselves as living stones, Peter tells us to build ourselves into spiritual houses. So the question becomes, what does it mean to be a living stone? I don't think that's a question that comes with a definitive answer or that is only answered once. I think it's a question for our lifetimes, one that comes with answers that are likely to change each time we answer it. That ambiguity is what makes Jesus' disciples so anxious when when he foretells his upcoming death and assures them that they know the way to where he is going. The disciples feel uncertain that they are up to the task and ask for some kind of tangible indication. They want the blueprints for how to build themselves into spiritual houses. Jesus tells them that they already know enough. They should know so much, in fact, that they can do works greater than those Jesus has done. Which sounds crazy, right? He healed the sick and cast out demons. How can those that follow Jesus do greater works than these? Well, we'll come back to that, I promise. But by way of a segue, I want to mention that next week is Youth Sunday. And as one of our graduating seniors, my daughter Juliet will have to stand up here and say a few words. She's told me that she figures that as my daughter, she'll be expected to tie something about grading practices into her remarks. (laughs) And yes, despite being made aware of this blind spot, I'm going to come back to grading as a parallel for today. Because now we've finished our semester, which means I've got some new perspectives as my unconventional experiment of using ungrading has come to a close. Ungrading is a practice where, simply put, I don't grade submissions by my students during the semester, but I give lots of feedback. My students, this past week, evaluated themselves on their learning, providing evidence to support their self-determined final course grade. At the beginning of the semester, we discussed and agreed upon some standards by which they would evaluate themselves. Things like how well they understood the breadth of the material in the class, how well they collaborated with others over the semester, how well they reflected on their progress using feedback to improve. What I discovered as we neared the end of the term is that some students were uncomfortable assessing themselves. Their remarks amounted to, how do I know if I'm grading myself right? I'm not the expert, you are. I reminded them, we have these standards to use. Look at what you're doing through these lenses. In the same way the disciples and we can feel lost, how can we know we are the living stones we are meant to be? How can we know we are building ourselves into spiritual houses? That lost feeling makes us vulnerable to the false assurances of surface-level box-checking, going down the same path that the religious leaders who stoned Stephen took. If we just do this, this, and this, we can be assured we are getting it right. But it turns out that getting it right can shift from context to context, and we don't like that ambiguity. That's why using Jesus as our standard is less comfortable than following a set of rules. Loving our neighbor can mean different things at different times. So we have to look for guidance by applying what we know about Jesus. So what do we know about Jesus? We know he was someone who listened to others' stories. 
stories from people who were rejected by the hierarchy, and even stories from people who were a part of the hierarchy. We also know that he listened to feedback about his blind spots. When the Canaanite woman, a non-Israelite, corrected him that he could indeed help non-Israelites too, he realized she was right and broadened the scope of his ministry. We know that he welcomed people instead of ignoring them, and that he himself told stories about God's expansive love for everyone. He didn't shy away from telling those stories, even to those in the hierarchy, and even when he knew they would want to silence him. How do we become living stones? That's for you to answer, using Jesus as a guide. But if we all thought about this question and lived our lives according to the guidance of Jesus, our world where neighbors now come first would, as a consequence, include fewer sick people who need to be miraculously healed and fewer people who have demons of loneliness or addiction that must be cast out. In short, by collectively coming together to build of ourselves a spiritual abiding place for everyone, we are indeed capable of greater works than those of Jesus. Amen. Let us affirm our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Living Savior, we are the members of your church, each of us created in your image and called to intentional missions of reconciliation. Born anew of water and spirit, we are witnesses to the good news of the gospel that Jesus Christ, our flesh and our bone, is raised from the dead. While we are often too slow, too distracted, are too proud to recognize you even when you walk beside us, we pray that you stay with us, your church, its members, and its missions. Open our minds to know the violence in the world, the inequities in our communities, and the brokenness of our own lives. Open our hearts to love, compassion, and forgiveness so we may act toward restoring everyone and everything in and to our risen Lord. 
Open our ears to the demand for truth and the cries for justice and the groans of creation that we might be witnesses to your justice, truth, and the manifold beauty of this world. Open our arms as the shepherds of your flock and as fishers of men so that we may embrace the lonely, protect those who are mocked or vulnerable, love those considered ugly or unfit, Support those who feel ashamed or broken, and feed all with the bread of your life in a hungry world. O Lord, our Governor, we remember before you all the nations of the world and their leaders. We remember especially Joseph, our President, the Congress of the United States, our Courts of Justice, and all our elected representatives. Grant them a spirit of justice and peace that the triumph of life over death might lead us toward a vision and desire for your peaceable kingdom. We thank you, O God, for your creation of this fruitful earth and pray that you will give us grace to cherish and protect it for generations to come. Give us grateful hearts for all your goodness and grant that the fruits of the earth may enlighten and strengthen us for your service. Loving God, we pray your work of reconciliation would bring peace here in Kingsport through the relationships that uphold our community and those who devote their lives to nurturing and advocating for all who are in need of the radical hospitality and expansive welcome of your love. We pray for those in our own congregation, especially Sister, Becky, Carolyn, Stephanie and family, Bill, Tony, Louisa, Catherine, Randy, Beverly, Mariana, Martha, Mike, Allison DeWitt, Doreen, Beth, Myra, Rick, Jay, John, Kim, Deanna, Jackson, Jonathan, Patricia, Jonathan, Fan, Sarah Beth, Jason, Dot, Gary, Phyllis, Kim, Diane, Larry, Alice, Anne, Matt, Richard, Donna, Paul, Daryl, Don. Stay with all those who are in need of your companionship and open their eyes to the unfailing presence of your love. We pray for all who have died. Grant them a place in your kingdom where, with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Blessed Paul, Blessed Christopher, Blessed Timothy, and all your saints, they might know abundant life and hope with us in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. Almighty God, by your Holy Spirit, you have made us one with your saints in heaven and on earth. Grant that in our earthly pilgrimage we may always be supported by this fellowship of love and prayer and know ourselves to be surrounded by their witness to your power and mercy. We ask this for the sake of Jesus Christ, in whom all our intercessions are acceptable through the Spirit and who lives and reigns forever and ever. Friends, the peace of the Lord be always with you. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. God of abundance, you have fed us with this bread of life and cup of salvation. You have united us with Christ and one another. And you have made us one with all your people in heaven and on earth. Now send us forth in the power of your Spirit, that we may proclaim your redeeming love to the world and continue forever in the risen life of Christ our Savior. Amen. May Almighty God, who has redeemed us and made us his children through the resurrection of his Son, our Lord, bestow upon you the riches of his blessing. Amen. May God, who through the water of baptism has raised us from sin into newness of life, make you holy and worthy to be united with Christ forever. May God, who has brought us out of bondage to sin into true and lasting freedom in the Redeemer, bring you to your eternal inheritance. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always.